0: This is The Week in Addiction Medicine, a podcast resource of timely news and top stories brought to you by the American Society of Addiction Medicine, ASAM. Today is Tuesday, April 4th, and I'm Claire Rasmussen. Our lead story this week, multivariate genome-wide association meta-analysis of over 1 million subjects identifies loci underlying multiple substance use disorders, is in nature mental health. Recent large-scale genome-wide association studies show that the genetic architecture of substance use disorders is characterized by a high degree of commonality, i.e. a general addiction genetic factor likely conveys vulnerability to multiple substance use disorders. Genetic liability to substance use disorders can be parsed into loci that confer general or substance-specific addiction risk. This study is a multivariate genome-wide association meta-analysis that disaggregates general and substance-specific loci from published summary statistics of substance use disorders. Findings provide insight into general risk loci for substance use disorders that could be leveraged as treatment targets. Next is a study in The Lancet titled, Evaluating the Impact of Alcohol Minimum Unit Pricing on Deaths and Hospitalizations in Scotland. Scotland has the highest level of health harms related to alcohol use in the United Kingdom. This study sought to assess whether a measure that increased the price of a beverage containing alcohol had an impact on alcohol attributable deaths and hospitalizations in Scotland. Results demonstrate nearly a 14% reduction in alcohol attributable deaths during the study period, hospitalizations decreased by more than 4%. The largest reductions were in subgroups known to be experiencing disproportionately higher levels of alcohol-related harms to health. A new study in cell metabolism is titled Habitual Daily Intake of a Sweet and Fatty Snack Modulates Reward Processing in Humans. In this study, 49 participants were asked to eat two snacks daily, in addition to their regular diet, for a period of eight weeks. The study participants received either a snack high in fat and high in sugar, or a snack low in fat and low in sugar, but equal in calories. At the end of the eight weeks, the high-fat, high-sugar group had a reduced preference for low-fat foods, as well as a decreased preference for juices low in sugar. This study shows that exposure to high-fat, high-sugar foods alone can shift food preferences and increase the sensitivity of brain reward circuits to food cues in ways that may increase the risk for overeating. Next, we have a study in drug and alcohol dependence titled Development and Validation of an Overdose Risk Prediction Tool Using Prescription Drug Monitoring Program Data. This study used machine learning to develop a model that more accurately predicted overdose risk. The model was more accurate at predicting overdose risk than the existing system. Crucial variables predicting overdose were age, total opioid dose, and number of prescriptions for benzodiazepines and buprenorphine. A new study in JAMA Network Open is titled Association of Household Opioid Availability with Opioid Overdose. In this cohort study of Oregon adults in over 1 million households, the odds of opioid-related overdose increased significantly when another household member had opioid fills in the preceding six months. The odds also increased when both the individual and another household member had opioid fills in the preceding six months. The findings of this cohort study underscore the importance of educating individuals about the risks of keeping opioids in a household. The next study is in birth issues in perinatal care, titled Disparities in the Provision of Perinatal Care Based on Patient Race in the United States. In this retrospective review of EMR data, the study sought to identify potential differences in perinatal care based on patient ethnicity. Compared with white women, black women were more likely to undergo urine drug testing when denying drug use and less likely to receive a perinatal depression screen. Compared with white women, Hispanic and Asian women were less likely to have a urinary drug test completed when denying use. Further research focused on the specific biases of providers and how evidence-based guidelines may be protective in providing care. Our next article, titled Harm Per Liter as a Concept and a Measure in Studying Determinants of Relations Between Alcohol Consumption and Harm, is an international journal of drug policy. Methods to examine the association between alcohol consumption and harm have been primarily per capita alcohol sales in community alcohol-related mortality or patterns of drinking at individual level versus harms. The idea of examining the actual volume of alcohol consumed in relation to harm is relatively new. Under this concept, researchers utilize the amount of pure alcohol in relationship to harms, which allows for comparisons across types of alcohol beverage. The authors have identified that there is greater harm experienced among those from lower socioeconomic groups, despite consuming the same or less amounts of alcohol than those from higher socioeconomic groups. Our final article, titled, Biochemical validation of dependence on Juul and other e-cigarettes among youth is in pediatrics. The authors examined the association between electronic nicotine product dependence and urinary nicotine biomarkers in youth. Linear regression modeling found a 14.4% increase in urinary nicotine biomarkers per point increase in electronic nicotine product dependence scores. Overall, the correlation between electronic nicotine product dependence and urinary nicotine biomarkers among Juul users was similar to that previously found in cigarette smokers. This concludes today's episode of This Week in Addiction Medicine. Remember to subscribe to the ASAM Weekly for more exclusive content and our editor's commentary, delivered every Tuesday. Be sure to check us out on social media and ASAM.org. Thanks for listening. We'll be back next week.